Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. You're listening to U105 of the Best, our weekly roundup of the top chat, news, and interviews from the week gone by on Northern Ireland's best mix, U105. Listen to by over 282,000 listeners per week, don't you know? The station that is, not this podcast. The footballing impact of Manchester United legend Sir Bobby Charlton, who passed away last week, wasn't lost on avid City fan Frank on the phone-in. Both he and United writer John White pay tribute to the England World Cup winner on Monday's show. At, uh, pictures from outside Old Trafford and the ongoing tribute to Sir Bobby Charlton. I want to speak to uh, John White who writes regularly about uh, Manchester United. Of course, he's a Man United super fan. Uh, John, the, the loss of Sir Bobby Charlton, Just you, when you just say his name... Yeah, Sir Bobby was an absolute legend. I mean, people describe Sir Matt Busby as the father of Manchester United. Well, Along with Duncan Edwards, Bobby was probably the son of Manchester United. Served the boy, served the club from from he was a boy until he retired, nineteen seventy three. No, seventeen seasons at one club. Tremendous servant, and then he went on to serve thirty nine years as a director for Manchester United. He was, in many ways, what every footballer would like to be. He was outstanding on the field of play, and he was also an incredible gentleman. He was. He was, a, he was a consummate professional from the moment he made his debut in 1956, ironically, against a team called Charlton Athletic, and he scored. Um, up until, as I say, the sort of the decline of the great team with himself and Dennis and sadly George, who's passed away as well. So there's only one left of that famous triumvirate, that famous trilogy of law best in Charlton. Indeed, Sir Bobby was the last survivor from my records of the 1957 First Division Championship winning team and indeed the Munich Air disaster as a player. And that in, I suppose, so many ways impacted on his life. It was something, it, it was a cross he carried through, throughout his life, but he, he carried it with great grace. He did. I mean, for the 10 years after the Munich Air disaster, Manchester United, as the saying is for um, United historians, the Phoenix rose from the ashes and Manchester United won the European Cup, captain by Bobby Charlton. And the wave of emotion that must have hit him that night being measurable. Indeed, when the players went for their, their celebrated dinner in the hotel afterwards, Bobby was nowhere to be seen. The captain of the European Cup winning team, the first English club, they win the European Cup, didn't attend the dinner. It was just too much for him. He couldn't leave his room. He was just so much 
overwhelmed by the occasion, and no doubt his mind, like any human being would be, be casting back 10 years. And even on the night, I'm sure he looked around him and he saw Eddie Coleman and he saw, you know, uh, Duncan Edwards and all the rest of the players who, who tragically on the 6th of February, 58 eight players lost their lives because of that car crash. Yeah, the the amount of emotional and psychological impact that that must have had on everyone concerned, including the great Harry Gregg down through the years. We we sometimes haven't given enough thought uh, to uh, for for the next few days. What, what happens, John? What, what will the will the farewell to Sir Bobby involve? Well, Manchester United up until um, carried off my Club are going to the the Manchester Derby this weekend. You'll be pleased to hear that, Frank, um, and. We're all going to be signing a book of condolences. For those fans who unfortunately can't get the Old Trafford, Manchester United have a digital book of condolences for Sir Bobby, and I would encourage Manchester United fans who listen to your show to go on to the Manchester United website. It's easily accessible, mynetic.com. There's an electronic book of condolences. and Put your own thoughts and memories of who was a tremendous servant for Manchester United, 758 appearances, 249 goals over... A 17-year period, captain the team to the European Cup, won first division championships in 57, 50, 57, 65, 67, won the FA Cup in 63. And an amazing, amazing servant of the club. I was writing about him yesterday, and I've come up with one quote from people who won't really know Henrik Fredrik Amil, but it says, doing easily what others find difficult is talent, doing what is impossible with talent is genius. Mm-hmm. That's very well put. Absolutely. Just one final point, John, and I say it because I follow City. There's riffraff in every club and against Bobby Charlton at the weekend. They should be put out of every football stadium across the country. Well, Frank, I mean, we're all tarred with that brush no matter what club we support. Yes, there is a, there's an element in every club and there's an element in Manchester City, Liverpool, you name any club, and there's always some idiot will do something to, you know, um, blacken their own club's name. They're, they're not blackening the opposition. I mean, if, if fans chant at Manchester United in the stadium and they don't honour a minute's silence, um, then they're only bringing disrepute back onto their own club. They're not doing all Manchester United. This is true. This is true. Uh, it will be marked with great respect, of course, uh, come the, the weekend. John, thanks for coming on the programme. Thank you. You're very welcome. Take care, Frank. Bye. That's the writer John White with us here on the U105 phone-in. And as he says, manunited.com if you want to make reference to the passing of the legendary Sir Bobby Charlton. With the weather getting wetter, you might not be keen to get out in the garden over the coming months. But our resident gardener, Trevor Edwards, took time out of his own green-fingered adventures to join Carlin in the bistro with some autumn and winter gardening advice. Um, if you've just arrived, you're in time for our chat with Trevor, our gardening guru. Trevor, we've a load of questions to get through here. I'm going to run through them. And the first one I'm going to start with is Noreen's problem because um, I understand where she's at. She said, I'm fighting a losing battle here. I'm not very good with plants. My wee mum sadly passed away before Christmas last year and loved her wee rosebush. Um, my dad had bought her many years ago. My brother now has the bush and has given me a clipping of the rose this year. I'm trying to grow it. Please tell me, what do I need to do to keep it going? Hi, Noreen. Uh, Sympathy to you and fabulous that your brother has the bush because it's an insurance policy. But I'm looking at the image you sent in to Carolyn and there's good good hope that that's going to come through. 
what I would say is it's very shallow in the pot. Uh, repot it now when it should be sort of asleep. Uh, leave it maybe for a few weeks into November. Uh, but repot it. Make sure you get a very good gritty compost and bring it right up to the surface and let it sit outside somewhere sheltered over the winter. Don't try to keep it inside. Just put it outside. If you've got a cold greenhouse, perfect. If not, underneath a bush. But great that your brother has an insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Good luck with yours. All right. Good luck, Doreen. Um, what about Elaine? She said, can you ask Trevor why my forest flame has no leaves whatsoever? Just twigs. Um, is it? It's in a south-facing garden. Hi, Helene. The good news is it's south-facing in that it should get plenty of light. Uh, the f- bad news is having no leaves is really bad when you've got a plant that is, in theory, evergreen. So it doesn't look good. Mm. Uh, get along to the bark with your thumbnail and just scrape the, the bark a little bit of the twigs. If it's brown and dry, then it's titty bread. If there's some green juiciness there, then the hope is it'll come. Now... If all else fails, cut it right back mm-hmm. in the hope that it'll come through again. But it's not sounding good. Mm. Mark in Ballydrain says he bought two acers during summer, which are looking quite sad. Do they need any winter care now that, now that the leaves are leaving us? Okay, no, I have uh, ooh, at least six or eight acers in pots, some of them quite big now, and I do nothing special with them in the winter at all, other than make sure they never sit in water. I have saucers for them during the summer, and I take the saucers away in the winter so that it's not sitting in water all the time. Right. So just make sure, uh, even if they're in the ground, that they're not waterlogged, mm. and if they are, then think of repositioning it. But no special care at all. You've looked at the picture there that Mark sent you. Why Why are they so sad Did looking? I miss it? Did yeah, I they're miss in it? That, on that beautiful patio. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, a fabulous patio and fabulous pots. What I would say is, Mark, they can, the plants themselves are very low in the container. I would be bringing your soil level up to near the top. It will look better. It will enhance the look of the pot and the plant. No, he looks... I think there's good hope there. And if you could see my lovely fine secateurs here, all I do with mine over the winter is take away any wee dead twigs yes. so that it looks a bit more pretty. Yes. But she looks good. Now's the time when it is going to sleep. Repot it, bring the soil level up. Okay, final question today comes in from, well, it's actually a two-part question. Rosaline said, my garden is 70% weeds. Any advice on what I should do to get it in shape for next year? Where would you start? Rosaline, uh, Carolyn <laughs> prefaced this question with, with one last question. We could take all day on it. However, you're at a great time. The weeds should be dying down to some extent, but now is the time to get it clean. Now, if if you're happy to use a weed killer, then use a translocating weed killer, which will go to the root and kill it off. And spend all the time you can now either weeding it by hand, if that's practical, or using a weed killer. So you get clean ground for next year to start. Then give us a call next year and we'll tell you what uh, to put in there. That's a good idea. <laughs> now, Rosalie, that's your job. Take it bit by bit and get those weeds out. Yeah. You'll be amazed at how great it looks without them. Um, I had lilies growing at the side of my bay window. My husband lifted them and planted them in an extra large tub. And the garden bricks um, put in where they grew. And the tubs with the lilies sat on top. Are you picturing this? Yes, got it. The lilies have started to grow through the brickwork yeah. as it wasn't cemented. Would it be advisable to lift the brickwork to try and get the rest of the lilies lifted? Or will the same thing happen again? I think, I think it will grow through it again. If you've left a, a rhizome in there, it will want to grow. If you're trying to get it away from where the brickwork is, yes, get in. Get as much of it as you can. Get a much 
whole pieces and get it into bigger pots again. So I think I'm understanding what you're saying is that it's growing through bricks and you don't want it there. So get it out, get it into pots. I have lots of lilies in pots and love them every single year. So you couldn't beat them. Yeah. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there. Trevor, if people want to get in touch with you, how well, do they do it? Well, if they look on me up on social media in general as Trevor Edwards Gardens, but I'm going to spring a new one. Look at TikTok, Trevor Edwards Gardens. Oh, get you on TikTok a little now. You see you. <laughs> Thank you, Trevor. Great look pleasure. forward to next time. I'll Bye-bye. see you then. Trevor Edwards, our gardening guru, um, resident here in New 105 in our lunchtime bistro. Always great to have you in. Is it time for your rock and roll heroes to hang up the mic? Morris and Denise discuss old age catching up with their idols as the Rolling Stones, Madonna and more look set to stay on the tour bus instead of collecting their bus passes. Good. First up this morning. Uh, first up this morning. You're, I don't, I'm looking at you thinking I don't know if you're a big Barry Manilow fan. Really? Uh, not hugely, no. Not a huge uh, one, but uh, this is sort of like the end of an era for Barry Manilow. He has announced that. What age that is he? He's 80. I've just checked that, actually. 1943, date of birth. 80? He's 80. Oh. And so he's going to sign off next year uh, with nine dates in London in May and June. That is the end of the Barry Manilow, as we know it, on, on stage. And, uh, and tickets go on sale this week. But 80 years old and still going. I mean, you look at the Rolling Stones. They're probably the exception to that. But, yeah, Barry Manilow. You see, some, of the, some can and some you know, if they if they can, they absolutely should continue. Yes, but some can't any longer, and, and they, they should probably you know hang up their boots. I know it's you know it's hard to do so. Are we thinking about a certain white snake? Well, he, 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 they kind of did. They kind of quit the tour. So oh, hey. last, well, they, he stopped the tour last time for whatever reason was given. But you know, yeah. pretty much I would say it's hard. You know, to see was I don't know what age Coverdale is now seventy something. Yeah. But I saw a clip last night of Robert Plant oh and I you know huge Zeppelin fan of course yeah. and he was doing a version of Stairway to Heaven with Andy Taylor from Duran Duran yeah. and, and the rest of his band you know yeah <laughs> it's another one of those no okay it's maybe nice for the people who are in the room at the time maybe yeah. But, you know. Or they all sort of emperor's new clothes. Sometimes they, sh- sometimes they should be left in the minds and the imaginations of yeah. how good it should have been or would have been. You see, Mick Jagger kind of was never like a full-on amazing singer. You know, so he, he can still carry on doing what he does because he doesn't really sound that different. Oh, you know, yeah. lots, of, lots of all... Grunts and groans. And he's quite healthy, wasn't he? Isn't he and like into yoga yeah, and vegan and, and all sorts? And he's 80, isn't he? Yes, he is. He he is yeah. Yeah. So they sound pretty much the same. But some of my heroes don't sound the same anymore. Yeah, Bon Jovi can't do always. Bon Jovi can't do it. Whitesnake can't do it. Robert Plant sadly can't do it. And you know, it's not surprising the way they sang for so many years with such no. huge, massive, rock, powerful voices. Would what you, do you call your boy? He can't sing a note either. To be my boy. The boy, you're, Tom bon Jovi. you're, you're random on your t-shirt. Oh, <laughs> Vince, Vince Neil. Vince Neil from Holly <laughs> Could he ever sing? Uh, you know, Axel. No, no. Axel yeah. was way off for a while. Yes. And, but, but then on the last tour, he seemed to get it back a wee bit. We saw Glastonbury last but year, yeah. See, I think it takes him a while to work out, OK, I can't do that anymore, so I have to do a variant of it. Yeah. And, you know, but... But when it's your big song or your big ballad and that yeah. you don't do it at your concert, you're like, oh. Yeah. I, heard, I heard a story recently about Mark Almond 
Oh? Yes, and Mark Alban's... But, but then Mark Alban's wee bit... He was always a bit pitchy. <laughs> Even back in the very That's start, he was, always, he was I sound like what he called him off uh, pop idol. <laughs> Simon Connor. It's a bit pitchy. <laughs> but yeah, who else is kind of interesting? There's a lot of them recently have kind of got a bit. Yeah. It's just the years and years and years of abusing their instruments, so to speak. Flower, flower. <laughs> Speaking of singers who've been around for quite a while, uh-huh. have you seen any clips of Madonna doing her stuff out on tour? Just on the news, but I haven't really heard any. Just seen this visual spectacular show that the clips were on the news the other day. And looked good, didn't it? Looked absolutely fantastic. This woman knows what she's doing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's plenty. Yeah. And, you know, again, she was never a great singer. Never really pushed her voice too hard. So probably she could go on for quite a while. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, speaking of which, could it be Madonna at Glastonbury next year? Festival organiser Emily Evis has said she has recently been approached by a really big American artist That's her Who she hopes will headline next year Taylor Swift Well, she said it's a she? Um, She didn't say it was a she She just said a really big American artist She didn't reveal their identity but said she is aiming to book two, oh hang on two female headliners Ah Next year's legend slot Effectively, a fourth headliner has already been filled by a female act, she revealed. Uh, Emily set the internet alight last week after posting about seeing Madonna's incredible new live show. Okay, so she was at Madonna's show and everything, right? Yeah, so maybe she hasn't been approached, but she did the approaching. Right, it has to be Madonna. You never know. Yeah. You never know. When the conversation features trolls, spoons and apple pies, it can only be Johnny and Linda. Listen back and join in the laughs the pair of them had from Thursday's Drive Show. You're listening to Johnny Hero here on U105 Drive. Our Linda is in. Hello. Hi, hey. Yeah. Okay. hi. You know what? It's absolutely lovely out there. I'm just looking at the view and Class it's Class looking day, isn't it? it is. Yeah. So before we start, or before you start, oh, I want to mention a movie in case we forget mm-hmm. about it. So I went to see Trolls. Is that what they're called? I was calling them trogs. Trolls. Trolls. Have, have you seen the advert for it? No. So they're, it's very brightly coloured. It's a cartoon. It's, it's for like four-year-olds. No, big people were there too, mind they you. They were there with their four-year-olds. Well, they were. <laughs> <laughs> and and then, you went on your own like listen, a melon. Uh, listen. Watching it. It's you, not even a kid's film. It's a toddler's film. Listen, well, you can imagine. They were all running bucked aft around the, the cinema right before it started. Do you see the minute it started with the colours and the singing and the yeah. music? Uh, quiet. The whole move, quiet. Not one child cried. And that just shows you how good this was. Every- Can you buy it in a bottle? It was- <laughs> not, one, not one child cried. Listen, it was brilliant. Oh, and they're proper trolls, like with the wee fluffy haircuts yes, and all. Yes, yes. Like, we, so, like we would know. The movie was absolutely brilliant. And I defy anybody to go and see it. Big people and wee people and, and not love it. And the music was amazing. Oh, as you say, the colours, it's all prim. Just looking at it now, it's all yeah. primary colours. ever and it- bright and vibrant and, you know, like yeah. kids look at this uh-huh, kind of thing. Yeah. So even if you didn't know what was going on, I was mesmerised. It was just fantastic. And you, music, if you didn't know what was going on, Linda, it's not exactly a Shakespearean <laughs> plot. I'm talking about from the point of view right. of a wee one. Justin Timberlake's in it. Yes, he does uh, an end sinker in it, and he sings. Camila Cabello is in it. Yep, and Amy Schumer's in it, and Tony Sassoon. Anna Kendrick. Ah, Anna Kendrick's in it too. Eric Andre, the comedian. I would love to tell you what it was about, but I don't remember. But I just knew that it was. What do you mean you don't remember? I don't remember. I don't remember. Poppy discovers that Branch and his four brothers were once part of her favourite boy band. Yes. 
Floyd gets kidnapped by a pair of villains. Branch and Poppy embark on a harrowing and emotional journey to reunite the other brothers. Yeah. And rescue Floyd from a fate even worse than pop culture obscurity. Someone so is now kids are being told that you're... Still Pop culture status is important. No, listen, it's really very good. It is the music's brilliant. It's like all it's disco-y typey music, modern and seventies disco music. So I totally recommend it. If you're looking somewhere to bring your kids to keep them quiet for a couple of hours, definitely go and see Trolls. Right. Okay. Happy days. I'm glad you you had a good time. Was nobody looking at you wired up because you had no kids with you? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. The uh, but I couldn't believe, I noticed, it was really noticeable because trying to get kids, uh, younger kids, to settle down in anything, they're just going bananas, aren't yeah. they? They're doing the wee, the wee planes run about the place yeah. and the wee lads are going bananas jumping over the church. But the minute it came on, oh, very silence, good. it was good. <clears throat> very good. So, uh, above, uh, other than that, I wanted to talk about um, irrational purchases you may have made. And I have a reason for talking about this. Are you going to let me explain? We have talked about this before, you know. I know, but I need to explain where Brand, I am. Brandy, who bought the canoe, will live in legend forever. Yes. Because we couldn't better that. The canoe man's brilliant. But the reason fella, I'm fella saying... fella lived in Divis Flats, <laughs> bought a canoe. <laughs> never seen the water. Go. So anyway, the reason I'm saying this is because the minute, at the minute in my mummy's house, there are two tables, two kitchen tables. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the kitchen isn't the size of a football field. And the reason being, and I saw a table and I thought it was really nice and I bought it. But you have a nice table. But we never, I never thought it through. So. Hold on, you have a perfectly nice functional table. Yes. but and I'm you the only, saw another table. Yes, I'm the only one that sits at it. So I thought these are better chairs for your back and it's a bit trendy. and A trendy table. And Come ahead, for my mum. <laughs> for my mum. So it's a really good good table. So yes, but you still had the old one taking up room. I know. So I know. how can you move in that kitchen? And you can't. You can't. So it's my, <laughs> it's my mum's house. Well, the thing is, I, I would always keep something if there's some life still in it. I mean, clothes, coats, shoes, you know. Yes. I don't buy so, any. If well, something's still good, I would That table's still very functional, so is, what are you going to do with it's it? A, it's a brilliant table, the one that she has, so... Now we're looking at the both tables because my mummy's not saying she hates the other table, that she loves her old table. You were unfaithful to your old table, that's terrible. So at this point, it's a bit of a standoff. The two tables are in the middle of the kitchen. You have to walk around them and try and get in between them to get to the... To get to the fridge. Listen, I feel disloyal to old spoons in our house if I don't use them. Because we had uh, a set of, you know, cutlery and everything else, and then Lisa spliced out and bought new ones, and mm. gradually the old ones have been getting turfed out, you know? Mm. And there's one of the old spoons left, and I always use it when I can, you oh. know, from a cereal and all. Or do you ever get... And if it's not, because I, I sort of say, I feel sorry for you. No! Yeah. Do you ever get that you look at one fork, and it's really plain, and then maybe there's a real fancy one with swirls and I hate the fancy one with swirls because I think it's showing off it's the got notions one. it's got notions about itself yes. who do you think you are I want fancy f- fork <laughs> sitting there in the drawer lording it over all the wee plain forks <laughs> thinking you're it I know I know <laughs> Do you remember? You think you're it. You think you're it. You're sick, are you? No, but nobody, nobody knew what it was, but you I thought know. you were it. No, that, that was the, but the ultimate uh, abuse years ago was, uh, he's a sickener. <laughs> oh, could mean anything. You didn't need to go that far, right? Oh, there's no, no call. <laughs> right, a uh, new story here. Mm. 52-year-old man arrested after faking a heart attack mm. in a local restaurant to avoid paying the bill. 
you know, they came to him with his bill and said, oh, I don't feel well, and then coped and was taken out in an ambulance and everything else, got to the hospital. That's all right, I'm away home now. But they found out he'd done it 25 times no. <laughs> 25 different restaurants it's like so he didn't have a, a, a coat full of jewellery did he it's like no. the scene from Fools and Horses yeah <laughs> 25 times this guy has done this um, just letting on to be like very very ill calling well, ambulances and all and I bet you he ate the place out too because yeah. he knew he was going to do that yeah I'll have the heap. Just see me at that side of the menu there. You know, <laughs> the you know. And the finest lobsters, Mr. Yeah. Sufficient Chip and, and I get to be saying, you know, just as he's letting on the collapse, your food has made me sick. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, um, oh, very good. Trying to think what else. You know, there's people in touch here, but we're doing the Gordon's uh, perfume giveaway yes, today as well. We are. Okay. Yes, we are. So you get to smell like a handbag. Yes, a certain person's <laughs> handbag, right? Brandon Bally Claire, hello to you. Who else has been in touch here? Um, I have to point out, Claire. Claire's been in touch. There's apple cake doing the rounds here, which is my favourite thing, and um, because of the figures, so the apple cake is really nice. Did you get a bit? In other industries, you know, in banking, you know, this the big row about cap on bankers' bonuses. Mm-hmm. When bankers do well. Um, they get a bonus, you know, like half a million quid, mm-hmm. 200 grand, mm-hmm. everything else. So the cap is being lifted on Monday, so they're yeah. able to get back to their previous yeah. bonuses because yeah. they've done well in a particular yeah. quarter, right? We got an apple cake. I thought it was very good apple cake. It wasn't just a... It would have to be some apple cake to take the place <laughs> of a half a million pound bonus. <laughs> <laughs> the highest listening figures we've ever had. There's an apple cake. <laughs> uh, uh, I was waiting on Oprah. You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. <laughs> listen, if you're uh, anybody like me who's a connoisseur of apple cakes, you can buy the wrong one. I'm, listen, it's, it's so it's, disappointing. It's a nice apple cake. They're I'll give it that. Good apple cakes. Right. They are good. So picture you get the boss says, figures are brilliant. One apple cake, one uh, a few quid. Apple cake, a few quid. Apple cake. Oh, see, I might have been torn. Well, they didn't give, <laughs> give us the apple cake and hide the money in it. We <laughs> used to hide sixpences. You're not all. allowed to do that anymore. No, why? People choking everywhere. The kids breaking their teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Walking into school and experiment. Well, mommy made an apple cake. Aki <laughs> you must have got the ten piece on. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Johnny, we order from Twinklebrook here. A shout out to my husband, Martin John. He's amazing. Hope you're having a good day. Thank you, Orla. Um, yes, no, a big hello to everybody. Um, oh, there's people getting in touch here. Can I say something? Susie California says, I've got a big spoon and it was my grandpa's. Wow. You know, so it's a mm-hmm. third generation spoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was called his stir the stew spoon. A special <laughs> Brilliant. spoon. Brilliant. Yeah. So maybe somebody else has an item of cutlery that they've kept and hold on to and maybe it's your own no, spoon. No, There's Clive's been in touch. I'm loyal to spoons as well. That's good. I'm going to start a, a Facebook group. <laughs> spoons? Spoon loyalty. <laughs> My mum stole the metal Iberia airline spoons off the flight to Spain 40 years ago. <laughs> And they're still in her drawer. <laughs> and any time I go to her house for a cup of tea, I hook out the uh, Iberia Airlines spoon. <laughs> Clive, that's brilliant. Good uh, quality spoon. You wouldn't uh, get a proper spoon now on no, an airplane, no, you know? No. 
plastic fork or I something. Know. You Year, know? Years ago, people used to take, you know, if, the, if you were out somewhere in the pub and you saw a lovely looking glass, you'd have oh, glass. Ice tray. They used to steal ice trays. But a spoon cutlery. Good something. ice trays. I, yeah. I didn't like them when the pubs were putting out, you know, the cheap tin ice trays. No, they, look, <laughs> they didn't look good in the house, but a big proper look looked like Tyrone Crystal ice tray. <laughs> didn't last long. Apparently, uh, <laughs> I, I, I hear. Are you going to want Von Sison to have just an array of cocktail glasses? And you go, where'd you get that? I got that there, there, there. They're able to tell you the, the history of the I'm glass. I'm not going to say our Paul's full of pint glasses <laughs> or our Paul's house. <laughs> Paul's got all these commemorative ones, you know, in World Cup 2000 pint glasses. Euro oh. 96. Yeah. <laughs> All from all yeah. oh, yes, uh, Carl from Newcastle says, "I know from I know some third generation spoons." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Um, oh, Johnny, hope you're enjoying those apple tarts. We at Jeffers Bakery made them for you well, this morning. I told you they were good, Andrew. Thank you for getting in touch. I, I see, I didn't, I didn't slag off the bakery. Like I said, they were very nice. They you know? were very nice. Yeah, yeah. So Jeffers Bakery made the apple tarts. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeffers, see you next time. Stick an old blank credit card or something. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Johnny, I have a couple of Span Air cutlery sets that were acquired many years ago on a flight, says Denise. (laughs) A Span Air cutlery set? (laughs) Now, does that mean knife, fork and spoon wrapped up in a napkin? Or, you know, 20 knives and (laughs) the whole thing with a drawer and all? (laughs) You walked out in your bag. Sneak that into your bag. (laughs) Just remember. Just remember when you're (laughs) opening the overhead compartments, all your cutlery might forward. <laughs> Do you know the even watch you on the planes? Do you know if you're on a long haul flight and you have the blanket? I always thought it was a given that you could take a blanket. Apparently it's not. Well, take it with you. <laughs> I thought it was. No. <laughs> no. no. Well, I know now. I know. Take him as well take the chair. There's a wee note on it that I'm says I'm taking his chair home. Leave blanket. Lovely chair. <laughs> leave the blanket. Timo Hearn carried off say, hey, you two, money's allowed in apple cake in our house anyway, as long as it's folded in foil. That's, that's, that's worse. Five and twenties when I was wee, uh, only one and two pound coins are acceptable now. We're going to be O'Hare's for apple cake. <laughs> right, I better go. Swiping left and right is all well and good, but would you let your mum do the thumbing? Frank and blogger Helen McClements discussed the pros and cons of letting your parents pick your next partner. Tell me this, would you trust your friends and family to pick your partner? Tinder are going to give them an opportunity to give you a bit of assistance. Let me speak to Helen McClements from the Sarwe blog who's been writing about this. Uh, Helen, good morning. Good morning, Frank. If you were in the marketplace for a new partner, would you allow your family and friends to go on Tinder and help you? Well, thank the Lord I've never had to go on Tinder because it was a wee bit after my time when I had already... It's a it's a tough one because families and friends can come to your choice of partner with an agenda, with what they think you should have. And so you may be getting these suggestions um, which aren't actually what you would want at all, but that's the direction they want to push you in. And on the other hand, then, some people can be very rigid in their choices. And then you can fall into a bit of a rut, into the sort of person that you would seek out. So it can be quite nice to have your eyes open to think, hmm, maybe that could work. But of course, ultimately, it means going on the date and thinking, would this work at all? Because instinctively, you can know 
And sometimes it's just uh, look, looking at the other person and thinking, actually, no, that, that would never work for me. That's just not going to happen because there is no chemistry. Well, it is a matchmaker approach, isn't it? And matchmaking has always been around. On several occasions, um, never has it worked, and I really should just stop because I've only ever really got myself into bother and caused much embarrassment. Uh, but I haven't learned yet, Frank. I still I have to rein myself in, and that's the truth. What's the difference between matchmaking and sending someone on a blind date with a friend? That's that's a form of matchmaking, isn't it? It is, of course, and and again, I suppose it's lovely to have the opportunities. And whenever I was single for a while, I remember thinking, I wish I could be sent on a couple of dates because I haven't met anybody. And it can be a really lovely thing to do. Um, so I suppose it's not really that different. But just to keep in mind that people, thank God, particularly in the like of Northern Ireland, have been able to make their own choices. But, you know, many, many, you know, so it's not even many years ago, if we were to go back 30, 40 years, um, from different areas, you may have just automatically not have wanted to go on a date or maybe not have had the opportunity to go on a date with somebody of the other persuasion. And in fact, like I might not have been with my husband if it had been a long time before because we probably wouldn't have met or we would have said look you know what this isn't going to work out we are just too different you know he's from the actual fall roads itself I'm, I'm from north down we might have thought no this is too much of a barrier but luckily by the time that we met that wasn't a barrier um, but in, in any sort of mixed marriage there are still uh, things obstacles that you have to overcome and thankfully um, our parents were just so delighted we'd met each other and so accepting um, that that nothing was terribly challenging. Yeah, and back in the day too, there would have been the farmer and the farming family and the son and he'd need to marry a girl from another farm and he's certainly not going to marry a girl who is nothing because, you know, they'll take the farm off him. All, all that sort of mentality existed where you needed to marry at your at a similar level. You needed to marry a person of substance, a person who was in, in, in step with what you may have been used to. That must have put incredible pressure on. That was a form of matchmaking too, almost arranged marriage orientation. You are so, so right. And thank goodness people stepped out of that and started to stand up to their parents and make choices to make marriages that are based on love. Because can you imagine being stuck with somebody uh, that your parents have dictated and you felt you couldn't let them down that really annoy you? Tell me this. Because... Yeah, yes. because I know that you're, you know, my producer has told me this is a very busy woman that I'm speaking to this morning. And I know you've an appointment at 20 to 11. So I do want to, I do want to ask you this question. In, in, in relation to Tinder, have you ever seen it? Have you, have you been on Tinder? Have you, I don't mean have you been on it because you're a married woman. There's no reason why you're going to be on Tinder. Have you ever seen? <laughs> Have you ever seen the system? I recently saw it. I was shown it by a uh -huh. colleague. And I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe the lack of effort that so many men go to who have posted their picture on Tinder. Like boys climbing off a tractor in their 50s, you know, with the <laughs> trousers hanging off them, uh, you know, putting up a profile. Oh, 
eating their dinner at the table with, you know, their elbows on the table and the beans down the side of their face. But it's a photograph that's appalling. Just, you know, no effort being made whatsoever to try and impress those who may be looking in. And maybe they're to be appreciated for for it because that's what you get. You know, if you go for that boy, that's what you're... You'd be thinking to yourself, if you can't make that amount of effort, what would it be like to be shacked up to you, mate? Exactly. Absolutely wild. That's, what, that, that's, what, that's what I thought. And I, it was a, a colleague of more mature years who was, you know, probably <laughs> putting herself up, up there for selection. <laughs> said, look, yeah. look who and I'm trying to pick from. And you know what's just as a horrible thing about Tinder? The idea, though, that you can just a swipe right, you know, it's it's just at the flick of a, a thumb you are discounted. And and actually some of those boys they deserve to be discounted. There's not as no doubt about it. But you are making yourself very vulnerable going up on these things. And it can be horrible to think somebody has just not even had the time to read what you're about. And maybe this has gone back to what I said that we do have to give people a chance too. Because initially, when I met him, he was 22, I was 26. I felt like one of the oldest 26-year-olds in the world because it had quite a rough trot. Various things had happened in the year prior to meeting him. But by Jove, am I glad I stuck at it. And it was a friend of mine who actually said to me, here, I don't think you realise what you've got there with him. He is a gem. And I thought, fit me, you are right. And so I'm really grateful to my mate Maureen because um, she actually said, if you don't go there, I will. <laughs> and I thought, oh, oh, here, I'm not having that. Don't you be taking that Stevie Garland off me. He's a keeper. And I'm very glad I did. And I'm so, so grateful that I did meet him and that I did meet him whenever I did. Because had it been, as I say, many years before, it wouldn't have happened. And that's on a small scheme. But look at sort of multicultural Ireland and Britain now. And if a film that I think everybody should go and watch. Now, it's not a perfect movie, Frank, but it's a United Kingdom um, starring Rosalind Pike and David Oyelo. And they are, he was like the king of Botswana eventually. And they met in 1948, a white British woman. And there he is. He was over in London. Flip me, there was uproar, but that was one of the happiest marriages and Botswana became one of the most stabilised states because of that example from the top. You don't stick to your own box and you don't have to. And if you meet somebody and you think you can make it work, go with your heart because your heart knows what it wants. The Gospel according to Helen McClemens here on the U105 phone-in. Lovely commentary. Uh, she's got an appointment, got to let her go. Uh, Helen, thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you. This is the U105 phone-in. Thanks for listening to this week's U105 at the Best. For more of Northern Ireland's best mix, tune in on FM, on DAB, on U105.com, on the U105 app and on your smart speaker. Just ask it to play U105.